Mic check, mic check. You are now tuned into the best podcast out there. No major studio, no Hollywood studio sponsor, fully independent. This is Behind the Baller Podcast. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. Mr. I fucking told you so. Man, 2020. I told y'all, man. 2020 ain't playing no games. At this point, we've got over 9,000 infections and about one one millionth of the country has been tested. Uh, like I've always said, every hour something changes. You know what I'm saying? Thousands here and there's more people, you know, more numbers are coming in, more tests are coming in. It's getting real. Check this out. Let me start off by saying there's a Filipino lady from Walnut, California, who was in her early 60s and she died from COVID-19. Filipino lady, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Filipino ladies usually live a long time. So anyways, she's in her early 60s, she died and everyone in her house, in the house that she lived in is sick. Everyone is sick. They're like, have every symptom possible. They're sick as fuck and they can't get a test. It's crazy. They've been begging people to give them a test and it's like they can't get tested. This is, it's nuts. Like, what the fuck is really good, right? Um, there's supposed to be supposedly a few million tests in the United States. I mean, I know there's fucking 330 million people here, but I mean, damn, where are these tests at, right? And I know like, you know, people have been giving shit like, hey man, um, is it only going to the rich? Is it only going to the people that are connected? It may sound fucked up, you know? And um, Donald Trump even admitted, he was like, when someone asked him that question, a reporter asked him that question, he said, sounds like the story of my life. So anyways, um, shit, man, you already saw earlier this week, Kevin Durant got it. Uh, three other Nets players, you know, I guarantee at least 10 more NBA players got it, all right? But the thing is, they don't have to disclose who it is and whatever. I think Kevin decided to come out, whatever. Um, actually, check this out. Let me let me stop. All right, let me full stop. Stop the motherfucking tape, okay? There are some really stupid motherfuckers in the world. You guys already know that, but I mean, it pains me, Right? There's the ones who are too stupid to know when something is actually real. It's not being controlled by the government, okay? Especially since I'm the one who fucking said this shit was coming in hot before the government even wanted to admit it and they were, you know, downplaying it, okay? <laughs> All right? And then you got the stupid motherfuckers who just kind of semi-read what things that I say and they'll kind of listen to it, but they just, they'll hear like, they'll hear the wrong words and not piece it together and then make up their own story. Right? I, I don't even get that. Like, Let me give you an example, okay? I said, I feel really bad for the people who will be out of work for weeks. You know, shit's going to get crazy once they can't pay their bills. Me as a boss, I, you know, I made sure that all my employees, either from work or home, were taken care of regardless, okay? And then you got the idiot dumb fuck who interprets that as, you dumb rich dick, your money can't buy you out of this. You celebrities are so fucking stupid. Nobody cares about you complaining about paying your maids and your stupid Ferrari bills. Like, bro, man, it legit really pains me to see that much stupidity, like to be that simple, to be that thick-headed. It's just, damn, man. 
on to more stupid people, uh, Vanessa Hutchins. I was kind of a fan of Vanessa, like, more recently. Didn't fuck with her when she was on the high school musical. She, I didn't really know what the fuck that was or nothing, right? I forgot how it even came about. And I think I think she's part or has a very little bit of Filipino in her. And I met her at this J-Lo's Encore uh, show in Vegas. And she was like, she was cool, but she was also weird. And, uh, you know, good. Hey, listen, man, pe- people be feeling themselves and it's all good, right? And like, bitch, you are dumb as a box of fucking shaved suburban rocks, right? Not even some fucking, some beach rocks or some motherfucking desert rock. You just, you are dumb as fuck. I mean, she really said, it's inevitable that people will die from the coronavirus. And she's complaining about not being able to go to Coachella. And like, listen, man, you guys know, you guys listen to the show. When people misinterpret me or misconstrue my words, I, I get fucking irritated. It's so frustrating, but no, bitch. Ain't no gray area here, no rainbow spectrum with what you said. Also, the energy behind what you said, listen, you're tripping, all right? And when you end up like Amanda Pines, and you know what I'm saying, you ain't working and no one fucking wants to hire you, it's, it's a different day and age, man. I really think that, I mean, on some, I hate saying that shit, but I think she, that bitch might be canceled. Speaking of Amanda Bynes, who, by the way, is, is now pregnant. You know, she showed a picture of her uh, ultrasound. And I didn't want to bring up my boy's name. Uh, if, if y'all know, y'all know. Because I had it wrong and whatever. But it is fucking crazy. Um, listen, pray for that baby. I mean, literally. The, the baby inside. Not Vanessa, not Amanda. Them bitches is old, okay? Vanessa is 31 years old. She ain't no kid. Okay, she's fully responsible for everything. Fuck what we understood. It, I was plain and simple. That was black and white. Um, she ain't no little kid. Um, Doja Cat, who's like blowing up and everything else. Something about, I don't know what the fuck it is. And some people are like, all right, cool. I don't know if it's the Tanache style boobs that she has. And, and, and one day I'll explain that. And because um, Tanache is really pretty. But anyways, going on. Doja Cat got to be stupid as fuck. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, she's a hot artist right now and everything else. Listen, that ain't got nothing to do with you being dumb, okay? Doja Cat is dumber than three plus three equals eight, okay? She said, I don't give a fuck about no corona. Fuck a corona, bitch. I'll get the motherfucking corona and then drink a corona. Bruh, you know what? I'm not even gonna talk anymore about Doja Cat. It's just this insanely ignorant. Uh, so stupid. I saw a video of some girl some like she looked like she was a Latin girl and she's that crazy attitude and she had on this Mamba Academy hoodie like she's plugged in with the bean you ain't got no bitch you ain't plugged in shit all right but she said in this rant she's like listen if I want to have a social gathering with my friends I can because you can't con- this, shit, this virus can't control my life if I want to I don't give a fuck what you guys think I can have a fucking social gathering if I want to and see my friends Okay, like, listen, I know the virus, it affects old people and this and that. I don't even be around old people like that. Okay, first of all, let me explain how fucking dumb you are. At this moment in time right now, for those in America, fucking fucking anywhere, period. You have to act like you already have it. Like you're actually contagious. It is best for you to act as if you have it right now. Okay, you quarantine your house off, all right? And, and you act as if you have the fucking virus in your system and you're contagious, all right? The sucky thing is that there are people who actually have had it 
for over 30 days. So you can't just quarantine yourself for two weeks, really, right? I mean, who fucking knows? But anyways, act as if you had it. That way you don't give it to anyone, okay? Except the people that you're with and you're quarantined with. You ain't got to be around no old people, all right? How about the fucking three, four, or five other people you're going to have, your little friends that are coming over, all right? Chances are one of them or someone you don't even fucking know that knows someone that you don't know might have a compromised immune system, all right? They might have underlying health issues. You don't even fucking know. That's the crazy part. You don't even know the fucking other people. No matter how good you know them, you don't be, I, I have fucking best friends. I don't know what the fuck they do all the time. I mean, I would like to think I do sometimes, but they might be out doing some shit, hanging out with some other fucking person. Who knows, okay? And people don't even know if they're sick or not. Do you want to know why? Because people don't care about their, their health, all right? People don't get checkups anymore. Why? Because it's too fucking expensive. People don't go see a doctor. Why? Because they can't fucking can't afford health insurance. Do you know? I know fucking girls that would rather get a motherfucking Louis Vuitton bag than get a pap smear. And, and the young people, this this new generation, it's, it's no fucking joke with them. But I understand. You know, healthcare is some other shit. I mean, I'm paying fucking almost $4,000 a month for fucking healthcare for my family. Some motherfucking Ferrari payment. You know, that's a mortgage for some people. But I have to fucking do it because I can't fucking, you know what I mean? Like for my son. The Department of Health announced yesterday that young people are just as at risk, just the same as old people, you know what I mean? And now they're saying they might even be more at risk because they think they're invincible and they think this shit doesn't affect them at all. Yes, you motherfuckers in your 20s, you can get it and it can make you sick as fuck and you could even die, okay? It can permanently affect your life too. How? And I just found this out yesterday too. For those who are showing symptoms while being infected with COVID-19, and especially those who have pneumonia, your lungs can see permanent damage, okay? After you recover from the virus, you know, there's a 10 to 30% chance, well, I'm sorry, 10 to 30% of your lung capacity will be permanently damaged. Yes, permanent damage doesn't go away. I've seen some stupid motherfuckers talking about, what are you talking about? If you smoke, start smoking cigarettes after one year, even your lungs get better. It don't motherfucking matter. If you've been smoking for a certain amount of time, this shit will leave damage. If you know anyone who has pneumonia, pneumonia can permanently leave damage. This is even more so. This is a different level, okay? My friend, Charlotte Lawrence, uh, she's a singer. She's like a socialite, part-time kind of model too. Uh, she's 20 years old and she got it, all right? Her dad's a super famous TV producer and writer. Her mom is famous too. Um, he had a show called Scrubs. I think he's done a couple other big shows and they got bread, like crazy bread. And, and um, my homie Charlotte, she got it. And uh, she mentioned it and she's like, listen, I'm gonna make a full recovery and this and that. And like, I haven't spoken to her yet and I wonder how the fuck she got it. That's what I wanna know. And uh, people are like, oh, well, she can get a fucking test. I mean, because she's rich and whatever. But listen, what, I, what you guys don't understand is that 60% of the entire population could very well get this virus, okay? That's why I'm being weird about it, all right? Some say there's a cure already. I, I hope so. I know there's like people in Texas, there's some shit in Washington State, and then I hear that there's a cure in Japan. And then someone else told me that there was a cure when SARS was going around and the original coronavirus was going around. There was a cure in the UK, whatever, and I got a prescription for it anyway. I was like, fuck it, you know? And let, let me say this again, okay? 
and I, this is just completely not, not even, I mean, it's, it ties into what I was just talking about, but I just, right now, I just thought of something because I'm looking at the television and I see Dick Stain on the screen. I still can't believe after an almost full term, it's almost four years, that Donald Trump is the president of the USA. Yeah, it's pretty fucking sad. Now, the $1,000 to every American working citizen or every, you know, I don't know, is it every citizen above 18, every adult? I don't fucking know. Those who pay taxes, whatever. Listen, for the super poverty stricken, I think maybe a thousand might help some people. I don't know. You know, the, the super people who are on, who are on uh, food stamps, things like that. You know, maybe, all right? But the ones that make maybe 25 to up to 100 grand a year, I mean, is it going to help? I don't know. Um, if we're going to be shut down for 30 days or really for months, some of these people can't even live longer than three, four weeks without a check. So what do you do about that, Donald? Now, I know there is a virus and we have to be serious, right? So all the fucking restaurants, people are fucking going to feel this like crazy. This is going to be the worst shit any of us have seen. For all you young people, you ain't you know dealt with shit. Um, that 2008, 2009 to 2010 recession was, was the worst I've ever seen. And I'll get into that later. But... Donald, you knew about this in early January and you ignored it because your impeachment was, man, fuck your impeachment, man. All right. You wanted to fucking keep the infection numbers low. You wanted them to stay low. You ignored it. You could have fucking attacked it early, trying to blame China. You're calling this shit a Chinese virus. Look, I'm going to get into that part, to that whole of this shit. And now you're going to cost thousands of American people's lives. You're going to cost them their lives. And we're playing catch up. Donald Trump, yesterday, he ordered the National Guard to get ready. And they're like docked, you know what I'm saying, just in case, right? But I read through the lines. I'm not stupid. Smoke weed and I start thinking about shit. While everyone and their mom was saying that, oh, the Stafford Act is going to happen last week and martial law, yada, yada, yada. And my family works for fucking the fucking White House and my other fucking family does this and whatever. And uh, my family does this. Listen. My next fucking door neighbor is an employee of Homeland Security, okay? And she couldn't even give me that 100% certainty, all right? So I didn't say shit for sure, you know? I actually know people that are fucking sadly connected to Donald Trump. This is no joke. I always forget about it because I don't want to think about them knowing him. Um, but I get it. Listen, Donald said, hey, don't worry about food. You know what that means? That means worry. Because motherfuckers is in line. They, they, they know that don't listen to fucking Donald. He's like the Chinese people who talk about the numbers of infected in China. They ain't giving no real shit. Listen, Donald's like, we're going to fix this together. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're in a good place. And then he said, it's going to take six or seven months or so. Do you guys remember that? Earlier this week, he said, it's going to take six or seven months, right? Okay, so he said that casually so that you dumb fucks can't go back and trash him later. But listen, I, I, I don't just, you know, Again, I don't believe in the boogeyman. I don't believe in motherfucking Bigfoot. But I've seen photos of military trucks and, and tanks and shit. Real time stamps, real shit. Real real time, like for real. The last few days, last 48 hours, I've seen military trucks in, in the Bay Area, in Orange County, in San Gabriel Valley. Meaning I've seen real pictures, people really witnessing, people who aren't fucking, you know, delusional. And they're surrounding the perimeter. Okay? I think that Donald's going to order to shut down the state of California, possibly the country, all right, early next week. 
right? I think he'll make an announcement this weekend, and then he's going to get the military involved in a mandatory stay-at-home quarantine. Not no fucking shelter in place. You could run to the store for food. You can do this. Like, you're going to need to have a fucking legitimate legal somehow letter or some shit or an email from someone or from a healthcare provider, your doctor or somebody that you're going to see the doctor. And it's going to be like you and your wife can go get fucking food together. It's going to be on some, I think it's going to be on some like real legit. If you leave your house, you're in legal trouble and fucked up type quarantine type shit. So for all you listeners in real time, be alert. If I'm wrong, call me a clown forever. But you don't put the National Guard on hold and have them chilling, okay? He said that casually, right? And people are like, wait a second. No, he didn't say they're going to go here. He didn't want motherfuckers to panic. And, and I get that. You know, they want people to fucking freak out and shit, right? And go crazy. He's giving people like some lead time. And it makes sense. It's going in waves. I knew it was going to come. Just didn't know when. I was like, is it going to? I was like, okay. Then I, I kind of put two and two together, right? But I got homies who served in the military. Some of them are off, you know, they're, they're permanently discharged. But I got a couple people who did security. I was like, you know, let me call my boy who's a sheriff and still runs with, with people in the Army and in the, in the Navy and the Marines and shit. And um, my boy said, he's like, you know, we've been briefed recently. And uh, his people were told to pack for 30 days. So let's see. All those idiots, you know, I mentioned before, who've taken shit for granted. Hit me, listen. All you motherfuckers, hit me when episode 66 hits, okay? That's one week from now, all right? Then holler at me, okay? People still don't take this shit for real. It's nuts. Shit is like, <laughs> they've shut down all the major cities and states, the restaurants and shit, and like motherfucking countries are, are it's, it's, people are dying for real. It's real numbers, you know? And they think that it's the government trying to put fear in our heads. Like, even, even the dumbasses like Elon Musk, I don't give a fuck how smart he fucking is on science, right? It don't matter how much money you got at this time, bro. If you ain't at the moon now, that shit ain't gonna mean shit unless you about to donate tanks and a fucking other bunch of things. I know you got your little military clearances and everything else, but if you're in your home in Silicon Valley when this shit goes down, them clearances ain't gonna matter, man. Your ass gonna have to stay indoors just like Tim Cook and anybody else. And um, it's just fucking crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it because he's around people and whatever. So many people are getting it. The mayor of West Hollywood even fucking got it. Like I know seven people now with it and two of them I haven't heard from in a few days, which I know they're sick as fuck because they both went to intensive care. In more idiot news, the Summer Olympics in Tokyo is now back on. It's now taking place again in Tokyo. They're back on. I'm fucking mind blown you know, Japan is a really, they're, they're pretty smart and they're, they're really smart and they're a super safe country, you know, clean country. But I think that they've been hit so hard with like economic hardships. They had the tsunami, had other shit and that shit just crushed them. You know what I mean? Shit's just starting to get good again now. This cancellation of the Olympics, which is like, it is what it is. It would be catastrophic to their economy. But let's be real. Nobody's going to fucking the Olympics, okay? I know it's going to be in fucking July or whatever. Listen, by that time, man, this shit's going to be in full motherfucking blown. I mean, it'll be, I'm praying to God there should be a decline in the in, in America by then. But even the stupid motherfuckers ain't going to that shit. Because there's just going to be too many people 
No one's going to be six feet apart. The social distancing will be fucked up, especially the way the seating it goes. It's just, it's going to be a mess. But yo, listen, I do got some good news. This episode isn't a coronavirus-focused episode. All right, that's just the intro of the show. Now that most of you guys are quarantined and staying at home, you probably want to watch it on TV, right? Or you want to listen to the podcast. I don't know how you want to pass your time. Um, I decided to give you guys my all-time favorite top 40 movies list. All right, this is my personal list. You know, being a cinephile, uh, having a degree in cinematography, I look at films different, you know, I look at films in a different way, all right? Even cheaply made films, you know what I'm saying? They can still entertain me, right? But listen, after this break here, we're going to get into the top 40 all-time favorite movies list, and you can check them out when you get your little free time in quarantine, and you can agree with me, or you can disagree, whatever the fuck you want to do, all right? Yo, Miles, please hit me one time, sir. With that lakey, lakey, lake. So what up, y'all? I basically compiled a list and uh, I actually started writing this list like after Christmas time. And I said, one of these days I'm going to get to it. And i just been so busy. And now nothing, I got nothing but time, right? And I got time to, to, to be creative and things like that. Uh, I finished a piece for J Balvin uh, working from home, which is crazy, right? Yeah, I got a little setup here. And um, only thing I don't have is the expensive laser machine. So my cousin Steve came by, grabbed a laser, and um, finished up this uh, crazy piece for him. In fact... Um, Fuck, I shouldn't even mention that because he doesn't even fucking know about it. <laughs> Anyways, he knows I'm making him pieces, so it doesn't really matter. I'm making him 10 chains right now, but one is a little surprise for his album comes out tomorrow. So anyways, um, yeah, I compiled a list. It's my top 40 favorite movies of all time, and I'm a big movie buff. You know that. I've watched all these movies many times except for number 40. Number 40 I've only seen once, but it made that much of an impact on me. And uh, without further ado, Behind the Baller, top 40 favorite movies of all time. Uh, number 40, The Gentleman, uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. This movie was just fucking good, right? Every time I try to fucking hate on Hugh Jackman, I just, I don't win. You know, it, it's, he was fucking good in this. Even fucking Notting Hill. And I'm not a fucking a, a rom-com type person, but... That was a, it was a good ass fucking movie. It was insanely clever. I had mentioned on the pod before, it is a painful fucking intro. 15, 20 minutes. You might fall a motherfucking sleep, but you shouldn't because you need to fucking pay attention. But Charlie Hunnam movie was fucking tits. It, it was just so fucking good. And it was, and um, I'm partial just because there's people in the movie that I didn't love. But listen. I don't want to say too much because I want to save for the top 10, but man, the gentleman is fucking amazing. I don't know if it's on stream yet, but it was fucking good. Uh, number 39, the accountant. Now the accountant, listen, same thing. I try to hate on Ben Affleck. He's done a couple bullshit movies, 
But for the most part, this motherfucker has been on point, okay? This movie hit me a different way just because um, he was a highly functioning, you know, kid on the spectrum. And uh, obviously, you know, he's dealing with people who have severe autism in the movie and what he went through with his dad and just the training and fucking that dude, John. I forgot the fuck John's last name is. Uh, but he was in Ford versus Ferrari. He's in The Walking Dead. He's in Wolf of Wall Street. He's just fucking amazing. Who played his brother in The Accountant. The Accountant is fucking phenomenal. It, it's such a fucking good movie. Um, I've watched it so many fucking times. I fucking love that movie. Only thing I don't like about the movie is that fucking chick in the movie. I forgot what the fuck her name is. But we don't need to go there. The Accountant makes number 39. Number 38, which... To tell you the truth, over time, I think it might go higher because I love this movie so fucking much. But The Equalizer was one of my favorite fucking movies that Denzel's ever done. And I loved, he's done a lot of movies I loved, right? And somewhere on this list, Malcolm X should be on there, but it's not. But The Equalizer is at 38. And if you haven't seen The Equalizer, I should just smack the shit out of you. Every single fucking part of the movie is fucking amazing. I love that motherfucking movie. I don't know why so many good fucking films are filmed in Boston, but I love this motherfucking movie. Equalizer, number 38, off the chain. Number 37, shout out to uh, Rio, Sao Paulo, shout out to Brazil, uh, City of God. When City of God came out, I'll never forget going to watch this movie in 2002. Um, City God's fucking amazing. Such a good movie. Not one single celebrity, not one star in the movie, all new actors, and just goddamn, it was just so, it was captured so well. It was fucking amazing. If you haven't seen City of God, I, I again, I'm smack you. Number 37, City of God. Thomas Crown Affair. The 2001 or 2000 version with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Thomas Crown Affair makes number 36 and movie's fucking boss. He's the fucking billionaire that you can't hate on. Movie's off the chain. Just amazing cinematography. What a fucking clever movie. They show the dopest parts of New York, you know, just that rich upper echelon lifestyle. It was just fucking great. And I love a motherfucking billionaire that is such a fucking fiend that he becomes a thief. And he's just so fucking smart. I, I love, man, Thomas Crown Affair was fucking amazing. Number 35, Somewhere. Now, some of you may not fuck with this movie. And uh, I don't know what it is. I, when I was really young, I had a crush on Sofia Coppola. And uh, she was in The Godfather 3, I believe. And um, I don't know what it was. I always took a su super liking of her. She was one of the original OG hipsters. She was one of the first like people that like went east of Los Feliz and really turned Silver Lake into that whole shit, just that whole that whole vibe and that culture. I think she birthed that, right? And Sofia Coppola, she's directed some cool movies. Lost in Translation is one of my favorite. In fact, it's right before this one. But Somewhere is um, a movie that hits me a different way. I've been friends with Steven Dorff, who's the star of the movie since... I, one of his first movies, you know, I've known him since the early 90s or mid 90s. And um, he plays a washed up, uh, well, plays kind of a big, like a, not pop, what do you call it? Like a, a blockbuster movie actor 
who is a single dad. Well, not a single dad, sorry. He's uh, not married, and uh, he has a baby moms, whatever, and he's a, he lives a rock star lifestyle, and he lives in the Chateau Marmont, which is also one of my fucking favorite places, obviously. Not just to eat, but it's just my favorite places, period, in L.A. It's obviously severe landmark. Um, Chateau Marmont is pretty much the base of this entire movie, but they shot some cool parts of L.A. They kind of went outside L.A., which is cool, but... um. You know, he drives a Ferrari as a daily driver in Hollywood. It's fucking hilarious. You know, it's just, it, it just I don't know what it is, man. It hit me a different way. I just love that movie somewhere. It's number 35. Uh, 34, like I said, another Sofia Coppola film, Lost in Translation. Now, I had been to Tokyo a few times prior to watching this movie in 2004. Or was it 2003? I had been maybe twice before that. And uh, went to the infamous Club Harlem and all that stuff. That wasn't shown in this movie. But Sophia, she really captured just that movie, man. Just thinking about it right now in my brain, something about Tokyo has a deep chokehold to my heart. You know, I think about all my friends in Tokyo. I love Tokyo so fucking much. In fact, if you guys know, I'm supposed to be there right motherfucking now during all the height of this fucking coronavirus shit. Supposed to be there right now, finishing up all this shit, closing this deal with Murakami. And uh, there's just something about Tokyo. It's just the Mecca. You know, all the streetwear shit goes there. All the vintage shit, all the dope shit is there. I just love Tokyo. Love the food, love the people. I just love everything about that city, man. And Lost in Translation is amazing. Bill Murray um, kind of brought him back, even though he didn't really care about coming back. But she brought him back. And um, he played a, a midlife crisis, washed up, super famous actor, which is who played in real life. And I played himself almost. And... Uh, just the essence of the movie, what she caught, and the funny things that happened in Japan. Um, Hiroshi Fujiwara makes a cameo in that movie. If you don't know who that is, then listen, man, you ain't no motherfucking streetwear person. Um, they they filmed the movie at the Park Hyatt. Come on, man. I mean, I know a lot of people like the Amon. Listen, Park Hyatt is the dopest hotel in fucking Tokyo, hands down, the nicest hotel. And New York Bar on the fucking 52nd floor is the dopest fucking hotel bar that exists on the earth in the country there's no bar that can fuck with that rooftop bar and that penthouse it is just fucking amazing if you've seen the movie you know what i mean if you haven't go watch the movie if you ever go to tokyo it's real tough to get into but it was crazy because i booked a fucking six suite in tokyo and obviously this fucking coronavirus shit happened and i couldn't go but scarlett johansson that was like her second film that was one of her big films her first films as an adult and I, I built a little crush around her on that. She was so cute in it. Um, Giovanni Ribisi, I've always been a big fan of him. He's super fucking hipster, lives in fucking Atwater, the whole nine. And he's just, the movie was fucking dope, man. It was it, 34, Lost in Translation. 33, Menace to Society. You already know. Hughes Brothers. I watched this movie in the movie theater when it came out. And, uh... Listen, it's crazy, man. I was living in the Bay when this movie came out. I was going to school, and I remember watching this movie. Hit different because I'm an L.A. cat, like real L.A. cat. But I've obviously lived in the Bay, so I'm adjusting to the Bay ways, and the, and the Bay Area and L.A. are so different. It's so fucking different from each other. And Menace Society hit a whole different way. I watched this movie in Oakland. This shit was like, like right on the border of Berkeley and Oakland, and this motherfucking man, when that hurry up and buy scene and he smoked that fucking Asian lady in the liquor store, they went fucking crazy in the theater. It was, 
actually kind of scary for a lot of Asian people who saw it. They were really tripping because people were cheering. There's a lot of racial tensions back then, but that movie was hard hitting. You know, Boys in the Hood was one of my favorites. It might have maybe made my top 100, but it couldn't make the top 40. Men's Society was too real. They, they, they brought John Singleton, dope director. Hughes Brothers, they brought a little more real to it, and it was just it was just dope. And Men of Society at number 33. Um, American Me at 32. It's uh, it's crazy, man. A couple weeks ago, I went to a Laker game. The last Laker game I went to, I saw my godfather, Lou Adler. And Lou Adler was one of, the, one of the producers of this movie. American Me was so real and so fucking... It, it was so, another movie I saw in San Francisco when... Uh, actually, I saw this in Berkeley when I was going to school out there. And this movie hit hard. It shows about La Eme, the Mexican Mafia... And the people that were involved in this movie, a lot of them got killed. And even, I think, to this fucking day, I think, Edward James almost was getting fucking, um, was having to pay the mafia money. It was some fucking crazy shit that went down in this movie, and it was real. It was so ill, the way they captured this movie, and uh, the many generations of uh, the Mexican mafia, and prison life and everything. The movie was fucking dope as fuck. But yeah, it was crazy how motherfuckers were getting just psh, clipped off. And there was a girl who was obviously leaking information, and, and they got her too. But American Me makes number 32, and uh, that's definitely a movie you should watch, man. I, you know, listen, for me, if a movie's about Vegas and gambling and shit, shiesty shit, I'm in it. I'm, I'm going to see it. Or if a movie's about jail, like a feature film, I'm, that's all you got to say. 31 is a Korean movie called Sunflower. I know that 90%, at least of my followers, have not seen this movie. It is free on Amazon Prime. I bought it anyway, just in case for any reason one day this movie becomes unavailable or they don't have the licensing for it. I didn't give a fuck. I bought this movie. Sunflower is a fucking amazing movie about a gangster, a Korean gangster who gets out of jail and tries to come back to society to be a decent person. And he wants to show his mom and his sister that he's a decent person again. And um, he gets picked on by random people. They don't know who he is. In Korea, back then, if you had tattoos, you were gang affiliated, period. You were a gangster. Like you had real tattoos on your back and stuff. You were a real gangbanger. Or gangster, sorry, not a gangbanger. And, uh, you know, this movie is just like the trials and tribulations of this guy going through his growing up stage and, you know, He's probably in his, his uh, mid to late 20s or, and he's just trying to be a decent dude in the society and these gangsters are fucking trying to extort his mom and fuck with him and he just fucking finally loses it, dog. And when he loses it, it's a slow build. When he loses it, you're going to want to watch this movie a couple more times after that motherfucker loses his goddamn mind. Sunflower, number 31. Uh, number 30, Bound by Honor, Blood In, Blood Out. This is a straight up hood classic this is a cult hood classic this shit has got so many quotables so many fucking people if you have not seen blood in blood out smack the shit out of you now the only problem is it's not available for stream anywhere so you got to find the dvd on amazon prime or walmart i don't know how the fuck you're gonna do it because lockdown's about to happen real soon so you got to figure it out but blood in blood out uh again this is about mexican gang life the prison system this movie's fucking just pure gold. <laughs> if you haven't seen... Listen, I'm, I want to assume 50% of the people saw this movie, if not even more. And that's uh, number 30, Blood In, Blood Out. Uh, 29, 
We got Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you'll later found out, find out at the end of this list why Gene Wilder meant so much to me. And uh, most people know him as Willy Wonka. I was very fond of Gene Wilder as a child. Um, I watched a lot of his movies in real time. Again, I'm that old. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory obviously was everything about dreaming. And, you know, it just applies to to Dave. And, you know, it was just, it was a, it was a fantasy. It was, it was, especially imagine for all you who've seen it, imagine me growing up and seeing it. It was like, it was fucking phenomenal. And um, I don't think I remember, I must've read it. I don't remember Charlie in the, in the chocolate elevator, the glass elevator, what the fuck it was called, the sequel. I don't know why they never made a movie, but um, movie was phenomenal. Book was good. It's one of the very few books I read when I was a kid because I was such a dumbass, um, smart dumbass. But 29, Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory. The remake by Johnny Depp is fucking trash. It's fucking terrible. Tim Burton, you fucking prick. That movie sucked. Number 28, Deep Cover. Deep Cover could also be a lot higher up, but there's just so many good fucking movies. But Deep Cover, man, fuck. It's the movie that also started Snoop Dogg's career. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum. This was real LA shit. This movie also ties into me a little differently because I'm from Koreatown. This movie was mostly shot through downtown Los Angeles, but there was parts of Koreatown they showed. This movie was about, you know, drug dealers and undercover cop. It was fucking amazing. There's some parts of LA that don't exist anymore, like like landmarks that they showed, Taco Spot, and a couple of the spots. This movie's fucking so fucking good. It'll always be one of my favorites, man. Love Deep Cover. Uh, 27, Wolf of Wall Street. You already know, man. Marty Scorsese. No fucking joke. Leo did his fucking thing. Probably the best acting he's ever done. Fuck The Revenant. I don't give a fuck. I saw the movie. This was the best acting I've ever seen him do. Whole fucking movie is incredible. It's fucking three hours long, and it, and I want it to be five hours long. It's fucking amazing. Shout out to Jordan Belfort. I was actually supposed to do his show today, which is crazy, as we speak, but uh, the coronavirus pushed it back, so... We're going to delay that. So I'm going to be on The Wolf's Den soon. But Wolf of Wall Street made number 27. Fucking amazing film. Number 26, Scarface, of course. Now, this is a movie I feel like 85 to 95% of people have seen this. And if you haven't, then I should smack shit out of you. Brian De Palma, um, Miami, during the Yayo days, the real old school shit. Scarface, you know, this is 1982, I think. I remember seeing this movie and being like, whoa, i never seen anybody's fucking face get hit with a chainsaw. And it's just fucking, you know, you got a dude who's an immigrant, had nothing, and then came up. And, you know, that shit just was, you know, that was a gangster's paradise. That was a gangster's dream. 26, Scarface. Uh, number 25, Dark Knight. Dark Knight is so fucking good in so many different ways. Even on the thespian level, it is just so fucking good. Um, Christian Bale fucking crushed it. Fuck. Heath Ledger. I, I don't, I mean, Joaquin was so good. I don't, but nobody could touch Heath. He was insane. I mean, the movie, I did, you know, eventually I think it killed him because he was going through so many dark fucking times. He was taking pills and shit and everything else to prep himself for this movie. Dark Knight is a movie I just throw on here and there, especially if you got a big-ass fucking movie screen or, or big-ass television. Dark Knight is such a great fucking movie all the way through. You just got the villain. You got the hero. You got the dark. It just was fucking amazing, man. Dark Knight makes 25. 24. 
80s film, The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon was a hood cult classic as well. This was during the breakdance era. Fucking love this movie so motherfucking much. Um, I fucking wish that Beat Street or Breakin' could have made it on this list, but it didn't. And uh, it would make, you know, my top 100 for sure. But The Last Dragon was fucking amazing. So fucking good. I used to have a fucking crush on Vanity. And it was just a great movie. In fact, you know what? I might have to throw it on. I remember, um, man, I remember when I was hanging out with Floyd Mayweather. He loved this fucking movie. He used to quote it all the time. But yeah, Last Dragon, number 24. Number 23, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Insane fucking great classic film. You know, Amy Heckerling, director. She directed Clueless. You know, I thought Clueless was okay. I, I didn't fuck with it. Obviously, Fast Times was way more real. Um, they showed some titties in Fast Times. You know, I was a young dude. I fucking love this movie. They filmed this fucking movie at the Sherman Oaks Galleria and at the Santa Monica Place. It was just so fucking good. It was the valley. It was just Sean Penn was fucking brilliant. Uh, Forrest Whitaker is so fucking good. If you haven't seen Fast Times Ridgemont High, Jesus Christ, man, it was such a old school good enough. It was. It's not old as Animal House, so it's like it's almost still relatable a little bit. And uh, number twenty-two, Valley Girl. Listen. I'm a sucker for a good romance story. As much as you may think, I mean, or as much as I may play off as a thug or whatever it may be, and some of you motherfuckers think I'm not about that life, and then the people who know me are like, oh, shit, he's crazy. And then, you know, someone like my wife be like, what the fuck? But anyways, Valley Girl is about, it's a love story. It's, uh, you know, kind of made for for teens back in the early 80s, but it was uh, Nicolas Cage, and it was, you know, he was a punk rock dude from Hollywood, fell in with a valley girl and i've been waiting forever for this movie to be available on amazon prime i've been wanting to buy this forever can't wait great fucking movie 22 valley girl gotta see it if, if, if you have some way to get it watch it for sure 21 lincoln lawyer um again la movie uh what was that was this 2009 2010 2011 somewhere around there lincoln lawyer Matthew McConaughey, fucking amazing acting job. He's a great actor. This one just hit different. Plays a fucking an attorney, but not a scumbag attorney. He plays a good fucking attorney that kind of, oh, he bends the law, doesn't break the law. And uh, Lincoln Lawyer is a fucking phenomenal film. Again, an L.A. film based in Los Angeles. They drive through random parts of L.A. Fucking love Lincoln Lawyer. Such a good movie. Shout out to my boy Ryan Philippe. He's in the movie. Doesn't play a really good person in the movie. And uh, the movie is just fucking phenomenal, man. 21, Lincoln Lawyer. Uh, 20, Goodfellas. Another Martin Scorsese classic. If you haven't seen this movie, you need to get the shit smacked out of you for sure. I know you're younger cats, but still. It, Goodfellas is just insane. Obviously, Italian mafia mob life, you know, a couple different generations growing up, Goodfellas, New York City, um, fucking, you know, it's crazy, what a, what a great movie, there's comedy in it, there's everything, I've watched this movie over a hundred times easily, uh, Goodfellas at number 20, and then I just realized now that Casino isn't on here, but Casino would make the top 50 for sure, just didn't make the top 40, Shawshank Redemption at number 19, this movie changed my life watching this movie, man. I was never a huge Tim Robbins fan. He played a great, he did a great job in this movie. The The whole entire movie was obviously, again, was based in prison. This is, I think, 
the 60s maybe and uh morgan freeman's fucking amazing everyone in this movie is so fucking good anything about prison is just fucking great all right and there's references in this movie to another movie that's coming up but it man shawshank redemption is what a, what a fucking great revenge movie if you haven't noticed by now i love revenge stories anything about revenge i'm a fucking sucker for number 19 shawshank redemption number 18 could easily be in my top 10 but my top 10 is so filled with fucking insanely amazing movies that i couldn't just have a bunch of ties all right but place beyond the pines is number 18 this movie came out after london was about one years old and it hit me a lot different because ryan gosling plays this um circus stunt writer in a, in a moving circus and uh finds out later that he has a baby with eva longoria and the movie just spirals into a whole ton of other shit is so fucking dark so crazy there's two movies in one pretty much literally there was two movies in this movie and Bradley Cooper is in the second part of it and it's just fucking nuts. There's some great fucking acting. There's insanely beautiful visuals. Cinematography is great. Ben Mendelsohn was so fucking good in this movie, man. I can't even tell you. This movie hits me in a different way. The first two minutes, that intro in that movie is so fucking... I got goosebumps on my legs. No cap on everything I love. It's crazy. Number 18, Place Beyond the Pines. Number 17, Punch Drunk Love. This is a Paul Thomas Anderson film. He is also one of my favorite directors ever. He directed Boogie Nights. And uh, if I did my top 100, Boogie Nights might make it in there. But Punch Drunk Love made it. It was Adam Sandler's first serious role. He's been a comedian all his life. You see Uncut Gems. And no offense, Uncut Gems is a great movie. I loved it. It was a punch drunk love. Punch drunk love is a whole different level. He took it to a whole different. It, he was just fucking insanely amazing in this movie. He damn near played like a bipolar, um, like soft but just crazy dude. And and he has like five sisters in the movie, and they all fucking give him shit. It's so dark and so weird and so hard to keep up with, and it's just so twisted, and um, it's just fucking amazing. If you haven't seen Punch Drunk Love, you have to see it. It is fucking mandatory. He's so fucking good in this. He should have fucking been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. I don't know if he, I don't think he was. Uh, number 16, Ocean's Eleven. Now, you want know to talk about just a great fucking movie. What a great film. What This movie looked like so much fun making. What a great film. Obviously, you guys have seen Ocean's Eleven. I'm sure you have. The first Ocean's Eleven with uh, Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and them. I heard it wasn't that great. I, I think I saw bits and pieces. It was, eh. This movie with this this cast, everyone was on point. Isn't fucking Vegas? Come on. The Bellagio. Every, I love Vegas. Um, well, I love that. During that era, I fucking really love Vegas. Nah, I don't, don't care. But Ocean's Eleven, number 16, great film. Number 15, Training Day. Antoine Fuqua film. He's done a lot of fucking great movies. I remember we hired him at Priority Records to direct a couple music videos early on in his career. And then he did Training Day. And I remember this motherfucker used to live at the Americana in Glendale. And I would see him and be like, yo, you need to make a motherfucking sequel. And even though Alonzo died, you know, it's just crazy. 
I'm sure most of you guys have seen Training Day. Great fucking movie. Again, LA-based, downtown LA, um, Belmont tunnels, you know, real barrio areas, South Central, the jungles. This movie was fucking crazy, man. They shot that shit all through outskirts of of Koreatown, through uh, like Rampart District. It was fucking so good, obviously. Denzel won the Academy Award. He deserved it. Ethan Hawke was, was good. Christian Bale was supposed to play the part of Ethan Hawke. He didn't get it. Then he ended up doing Harsh Times, which I love. Not it, it was one of my favorite movies, but it was just like the bootleg version of this. I've watched Harsh Times so many fucking times, I can't even tell you. But Training Day is number 15 and amazing. Number 14, Digstown. D-I-G-G-S Town. Digstown is fucking awesome. <laughs> Digstown is a movie from the early 90s. James Woods. Louis Gossett Jr., uh, Oliver Pratt. This is a hustler movie. It's about con men and hustlers. Uh, there's a little bit of jail in this movie, obviously, why I love it so much. Number 14, Digstown. If you get a chance, stream it, buy it, whatever. It is a fucking great movie. You will not be disappointed. Digstown is is just fucking great movie. Such a good movie. Such a great, clever movie. Uh, number 13, Swingers. This was uh, Vince Vaughn and um, John Favreau. They, I guess, met each other on the set of Rudy, shooting that movie Rudy about uh, the Notre Dame player. And Swingers is a fucking phenomenal film again. What a great movie. Um, It caught the essence of Hollywood nightlife in that era so fucking good. They shot so many fucking just dope places in Hollywood, real Hollywood. Um, They caught places in, in Silver Lake, I think. Well, no. Los Feliz for sure. Swingers is such a it's such a relevant story to that era in time. Vince Vaughn was a fucking slick, handsome motherfucker back then. He's a big fucking mess now. But Swingers, great movie. Number 13. If you haven't seen Swingers, man, this is just a great time. It's fucking so real. Especially if you're an actor and you're a starving actor. It is fucking amazing. Uh, number 12 is Hard Eight. This is, uh, I think, Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. This is a gritty, really, really crazy movie. This was based in Reno, Nevada. So it wasn't Vegas. It was definitely much more, you know, low budget level. Um, John C. Riley's in it. Uh, this was a fucking perfect film. When I say perfect, from a director and a film, a real, a real film buff. There's almost 45 minutes of perfect just filmmaking in this movie. It is so good. Samuel Jackson has a cameo. Gwyneth Paltrow is, uh, she's a co-star in the movie. It is a great fucking movie. I've owned it. I've watched it many times. Heart 8, great fucking film. Uh, number 11, easily could be in my top five, but it's just like, these next movies now are just like, I, it's it just depends. It's so fucking tough. Um, Midnight Run. This was a Martin Brest movie. He directed Beverly Hills Cop. It was that era, the mid-80s, great times. Charles Grodin, uh, Robert De Niro. This is my favorite movie that Robert De Niro has been in. He's been in so many. He's one of my favorite actors. This is my favorite movie he's ever done. Midnight Run is a fucking amazing movie about Robert De Niro plays a bounty hunter, and he has to catch a con man who stole some money from the mafia, and he has to get him from New York back to L.A., 
and uh, he has five days to do it, and all kinds of fucking hilarity ensues throughout the film. Uh, fucking Dennis Farina's in the movie. Rest in peace. One of my favorite actors. I fucking love that guy. Midnight Run is for sure. What, I mean, it should be my top. It's 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 a top 10 movie for me. It is fucking amazing. It, it is literally one of my favorite all-time movies. I fucking love this movie. Every bit and part of it. If you love that movie, me and you will always get along. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the top 10 now. And uh, Miles, can I have a drum roll, please? <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, number 10, The Count of Monte Cristo. This fucking movie, this book, the movie's about a jailbreak, about getting out of jail. But more than that, it's about revenge. It's about a guy who was backstabbed and comes back tenfold and still can't find peace. He's just so upset. He has so much rage and it is so just beautifully done. There's parts of this movie, Luis Guzman, yes, Luis Guzman, you know, Luis Guzman is in this movie and he kind of doesn't fit the part, but it works out because he's like super, you know, fucking, you know, Carlito's way gangster type dude. But, and this is like the, you know, the, the fucking old days. And, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo is a fucking brilliant movie. Jim Cavizio is so good. This movie, I suggest strongly. Anything in my top 10 is all insane level, best of the best. Count of Monte Cristo, number 10. Do not sleep on that movie. I don't give a fuck how much it costs. You watch Count of Monte Cristo. It's so fucking good, especially if you love a good comeback revenge movie. Um, Yeah. Number nine is Bad Boys. Any single person here right now that's listening that thinks that I am talking about Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a shit, and after you take a shit, don't wipe your ass. I want you to stick your head in the toilet. When they made the movie Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, which I don't mind everything, whatever, I was hated the fact that it was named the same movie as Bad Boys from 1981. Or was 82. Bad Boys with Sean Penn was such a fucking amazing movie. Again, this movie was based on a white kid from Chicago who was just a criminal and uh, he gets locked up for murder and he's in juvenile hall. So they're in their teens and it's just fucking gnarly. This movie's so fucking good. <laughs> Again, remember, I'm a sucker for jail movies, but this is juvenile hall. And uh, my boy Issei Morales is in it. Issei is in it. And uh, uh, Bad Boys is fucking so good. This movie is just, fuck, man. <laughs> Lil Horowitz. Listen, you guys got to watch Bad Boys. This is just a great fucking movie. And uh, it is the original Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Uh, number eight, we got The Outsiders. And uh, I don't know what else to say. Francis Ford Coppola, obviously The Godfather. None of the Godfathers made my top 40. Sorry for you motherfuckers. Love the movie. It make my top 50 maybe. Um, just hit different with me for some reason. I don't know. Some people love it to death. Q loved Godfather. The Outsiders was my shit. I saw this when it came out. Um, C. Thomas Howell, fucking Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, Ralph Macchio, uh, Rob Lowe, I can't imagine, the movie was so fucking good, Stay Golden, Pony Boy, 
Rest in peace to my best friend, Jonas Bavakwa. Um, This was one of his favorite movies ever. It's one of my favorite movies. This is a movie that will forever fuck me up. Saw this movie at a drive-thru, which is crazy. I don't have drive-thru movies anymore. But uh, Outsiders, number eight, period. Just amazing. Number seven is a Korean film that came out around 2000, 2011, maybe, 2010. The movie's called Ajishi. The American title is The Man from Nowhere. This movie stars a pretty boy kind of pop star. He was a really, really famous dude. He was Leonardo DiCaprio of Korea and huge star named Won Bin. And um, if you saw Leo playing like a real gangster, you might kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know, Johnny Depp could maybe play it, but like this dude fucking crushed it. And the man from nowhere, this dude was just a, a nomad, a fucking vagabond, really with no history. No one really knows his history. They'll tell it in the movie. I don't want to ruin it for you. But this is, you know, my seventh, my top seven, my favorite fucking movie of all time. Korean movie. Watch it with subtitles. It is fucking amazing. There's Korean gangs involved, police, scandals, fucking um, everything you could think of. They're, they're, it's just crazy. Korean nightlife. It's obviously filmed in Gangnam. It's about fucking... Uh, you know, uh, kidnapping, human trafficking. It is fucking nuts. Movie so fucking good. Go see Ajishi, aka The Man from Nowhere. It is available on Amazon Prime for sure. Number six is another Korean movie. This movie is called Old Boy. And for a very long time, I used to call myself Old Boy. This movie won Best Picture at Cannes Film Festival, which is obviously to me more prestigious than the Academy Awards will ever be. Um, this movie is the most fucked up story and the illest revenge story that you'll ever hear in your life. This is the fucking craziest fucking movie about a fucking old man. And I relate to this dude more now than I did even then when it came out. So we came out like 2004. Old boy is so fucking cold blooded. Like people keep talking about Parasite. Parasite ain't shit compared to old boy. Old boy will fuck Parasite in the ass. Old boy is no joke. I let Jonas watch this movie for the first time. He bought it for his entire fucking staff, all his employees at LRG. Old boy is fucking phenomenal. Korean film, number six, old boy. Number five is my favorite Korean movie of all time. There's some amazing Korean movies out there, and their their cinema game, their film game got just, it was crazy. And in 2000 or 2001, when this movie came out, it was a top-grossing film in all of Korea. This movie is poetic. This movie is called Chingu. And anytime any of my Korean homies were locked up, as soon as they got out, the first day they got processed and came out, we would go eat some, like, we'd go get some kogi. We'd go to a kogi cheap or something. Or sometimes we'll go get some fucking kalkuksu, and we'll go watch Chingu. The movie's called Friend, F-R-I. E-N-D, obviously friend. Chingu means friend in Korean. But friend is a movie about two different generations of gangster life in Korea. And uh, it went through from when the kids were little kids, like eight years old or 10 years old, until they became in their 20s and 30s. I I think actually 20s. So it went through, you know, a a good over decade, a period of time. And it is a phenomenal gangster film. It is 
truly poetic. I, I don't even know what to say to you. This was a fucking movie I've watched again over a hundred times. So fucking good. It's so underrated. It's available on Amazon Prime. I think it's free. Chingu, fucking amazing. I love that movie. Number four now, we have Enter the Dragon. I had mentioned before, I only had three idols that I grew up, you know, and um, Bruce Lee was one of my top three idols. And uh, this was the movie that changed my life forever when I was a kid. Um, this movie came out either in 73 or I forgot what it came out, but I saw it at home and I was like five years old and I went crazy. This movie fucked me up. It was so good because it was directed so well. They had fucking uh, Jim Kelly who ended up being a super crazy black cult um, during that fuck. Why the fuck? What's the fucking word? Black exploitation films. He was just so fucking good, but Bruce Lee was just fucking epic in this movie. This is my favorite Bruce Lee film ever. I've watched every movie he's ever done, obviously. This is Bruce Lee's greatest. If you could see it, watch it in obviously in 4K or in the best format where you could see the entire, all the fighting scenes. It's fucking amazing. Uh, shot outside Hong Kong. Just so fucking good, man. Bruce Lee, man. This is just fucking legendary. I don't know what to say. This is as legendary as it gets. It's as legendary as the fucking Rolling Stones and James Brown and all that shit. Number four, Enter the Dragon. Number three, one of my favorite directors of all time, Tony Scott, rest in peace. Cannot fucking believe he jumped off the um, bridge in, in LA Harbor, Harbor City, which is just fucking mind-blowing. But anyways, number three, Man on Fire. My absolute favorite Denzel Washington movie that he's ever been in. Um, Equalizer was up there, so was Training Day. Man on Fire is fucking incredible. I'm sure 70% of you have seen it. If you have not seen Man on Fire, I don't even know what to say to you. You have. I saw this in a theater. This movie is so fucking good. And um, it, it's a little bit of revenge as well, but it's just about a cold-blooded gangster talk. Denzel's so fucking good in this movie. Shot in Mexico City, and he goes up against the cartel. I... I <laughs> There's not much else to say. Man on Fire is fucking amazing. Okay. We got number two now and number one, and they're damn near hand in hand. And um, I had mentioned to you before that Gene Wilder meant a lot to me in my life. Way before all the memes and all the stuff and everything else, I saw both these movies, number two and number one, in the theaters. My dad took me. Uh, number two is Silver Streak. Now, my favorite comedian of all time is Richard Pryor. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's nothing that could ever, ever fucking replace Richard Pryor. He's the funniest comedian ever. He spawned a comedy onto fucking Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock and so many other people. He inspired millions of fucking other people, comics, and he was just brilliant. That duo, them one dude being so white and one being straight black, it was so rare in the 70s for this to happen. Silver Streak is a story about a train, the Silver Streak, that goes from Los Angeles and it's supposed to go to New York City and on the train, there is a murderer and Gene Wilder is just a regular ass dude. He's not even anybody and he gets caught up in the middle of all this shit and he meets Mitchell Pryor and it's just, it's just a great film. It just brings me back to my childhood and there's some other movies that could have been higher than this, honestly. Um, Chingo could have been maybe a little bit higher than this 
but it is up there. And uh, Silver Streak is my number two movie, my second favorite movie ever. Um, and now finally, last but not least, number one, my favorite movie of all time. It has never changed all through since 1982 or 81. This movie has been my favorite movie forever. It has never changed again. And that movie is Stir Crazy. S-T-I-R, Crazy. Stir Crazy, directed by the great Sidney Poitier, stars Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. This movie is everything to me. This movie is fucking incredible. Gene Wilder is so fucking funny in this movie. I don't know what it is. It might be an era thing to me. Era like, you know, a period in time. Um, these guys are wrongfully convicted and go to jail and it just becomes fucking hilarious. Stir Crazy is a great movie. I have watched this movie possibly, let me see. So that's fucking 40 years, right? So 90, 10, uh, 90, 2010. Yeah, that's fucking 40 years, all right? Stir Crazy is, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I can't even imagine, let's see, let's say, watched it. I've watched this movie maybe a thousand times. Stir Crazy is my favorite movie of all time. Go watch it. Rest in peace, Gene Wilder. Rest in peace, Richard Pryor. Amazing fucking film. Wait, so did Sidney Poitier passed away? I forgot. But anyways, that was my top 40 list, all right? It only took 45 minutes to do this, but definitely well worth it i'm telling you guys you gotta watch these movies they're fucking amazing but right now miles let's get some music and uh we'll be right back All right, so um, I hope you like the list of movies, right? Everything's so accessible these days, man. It's so fucking bullshit. It's fucking. I mean, even if you have money, if you, you might not have money, but still, it's accessible. It's bullshit, right? I remember having to fucking drive to Blockbuster to a random video store to rent movies. I couldn't imagine now how much of a fucking hassle it is and convenience is such a way of life and everything and traffic. It's just, it's fucking crazy. You guys have no clue. You young people have no clue what that is to go to a, a blockbuster or to a video store and have late fees and all that shit and then getting charged for fucking not rewinding the videotape and fucking even DVDs. Like, does anyone even still use Redbox anymore? Anyways, uh, Netflix has this new thing called Netflix Party. I guess you can sync up with your friends and now watch your shows together, watch your movies together, which is dope as fuck. I think that's dope as fuck. And it's just in time for this quarantine uh, I read that Universal Pictures, Universal Studios, whatever, Pictures, Universal is released. They're going to release their movies now in real time. So obviously you can't go to movie theaters, right? Because movie theaters are shut down all over the fucking country. So they're going to release them the same day that they'd release them theatrically on stream, which is something I've been asking for for fucking many years. So I can't wait for everyone to do that. It's fucking amazing. Um, what else? Uh, I got to say... Uh, Happy belated birthday to my boy, Rob Kardashian. Me and Rob have a lot of history together. Always been solid. He's a good dude. He's got a good heart. He's a really great kid, man. Um, his sister, Kim, posted a collage of throwback pics um, on her Instagram page from his birthday party 
in Vegas like eight or nine years ago. And I'm in the third pick. I don't look any fucking different. Wearing a white tee, chain on. He's wearing jewelry he got from me. But anyways, happy birthday, Rob. I miss you, bro. Uh, we got to get we got to get up and uh, go to Kim Kardashian's page. Go to her Instagram page and and see. It's funny. <laughs> um, that trip was was dope as fuck. Actually, you know, uh, we had a sick ass villa at the Mirage. It was fucking lit. Uh, I got into a big ass fight. I got into a fucking huge fight with Kim and Khloe Kardashian and it was on camera and they threw all the Hollywood shit and I just wasn't about, I was like, man, fuck this. They tried to turn it their way. I told the producers, I was like, listen, if you release this footage, man, I'll sue the fuck out of all you motherfuckers and just get a bag. <laughs> Yo, but it was a good trip. Um, that's actually where I met and I, and I met Floyd Mayweather through Rob Kardashian, through Khloe and I connected with Floyd for the first time there at, at Rob's birthday party, we became super cool after that. Like I was, I was kicking with Floyd all the fucking time, and I ain't gonna lie to you, Floyd was one of the one of the one of the main guys. Like I was like really like I fuck with Floyd heavy. I was like man, he's cool, you know. Man, his family, they all cool. Just some of the shit that after I was like man, you know what? He he got funny, and you know whatever. He grew up a certain way, and it is what it is. A huge celebrity, insanely talented boxer. Um. Anyways, man. Speaking of Floyd Mayweather, man, right about now, I got to give a big rest in peace shout out to uh, Roger Mayweather. R.I.P. Roger Mayweather. That's Floyd's uncle. Floyd Mayweather's trainer. He was a bad motherfucker. He was a badass boxer. He knew an insane amount about fucking boxing. This motherfucker knew motherfuckers that were 2-0, and that were like 2-5. and I mean, he had crazy vast boxing knowledge. History like a motherfucker when it came to boxing. He was also a mean motherfucker. When I met him, he didn't even shake my hand. At I met him at at Mayweather Boxing Club, and you know I was with Floyd and everyone. And I met him at the gym, and I'm right. I put my hand out. He didn't shake my hand, but you know what? It doesn't even fucking matter. He, he, I fuck with dude. He was a dope ass fucking trainer. Um, fifty eight years old, super young man. It's, it's fucking crazy. It sucks. Um, got to give a shout out to got to give a happy 38th birthday shout out to Rodell or Rodel. I think it's Rodell. I'm just going to say it's Rodell, AKA at Delphonic on Instagram. Hey bro, your wife hit me up and somehow I saw the message and this week has been a shit show with my DMs. I ain't, I ain't even going to lie. And um, right now we're not going to tell a Forrest Gump story, but we're going to tell a story, uh, a story I've never told anyone before. So check it out, all right? My wife, not anyone, not literally I've never told this story to anyone before. When that last recession hit in 08, 09, it hit hard as fuck, all right? I felt it and I know I saw people really just going through it. I remember I wanted to make these shirts, on, uh, this was during MySpace days. I was gonna make these shirts that said recession proof and um, I was gonna make these t-shirts that said recession proof. Like then, I, But I was like fronting, I was like, this is, this people are like feeling this is the fucking stupidest fucking thing. I don't know what kind of shit I was on, but shit was close to checkout time. And I was doing all I could as far as hustling and everything to stay afloat. I was even doing some shit on the side and just, I was like, man, listen, people literally lost the shirts off their backs. 
All right, stockbrokers were committing suicide. I was seeing people in my building like they couldn't afford to be there anymore. They were fucking foreclosing. It was the it was scariest the scariest times I've ever seen as far as financial status in in the USA. Um, and around 2009, it was still deep in it. I, I was ready to give up. This would have been more warranted if I'd have gave up then. Then when I retired in, in 2016 at the end of the year, I, I almost literally gave up jewelry for good, right? I was going to fire sell all my inventory and, and my shares of IF and Co to my cousin, Steve. He doesn't even fucking know about this. So he, he, he's going to hear about it from whatever, right? But I was just going to be like, yo, I just can't do this anymore. Cause it was just, was I was running low on bread. Um, not that that's that's super first world fucking snobby problems, but I'd fell way past the million mark. You know, um, I'd have to sell my jewelry to make, you know, my net worth go back up. And uh, I was gonna go work for a record label. I knew some people that that were got me some interviews, and right then and there, they were doing fucking hiring because it was bad all over the place. The music business was was sort of feeling it, but it was bad. You know, I I don't think they felt it so bad. The video game industry didn't really feel it too bad. But I was gonna take a salary job for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year just so I had steady income, and I had interviews set up and everything. And the thing where I've never told anybody, besides that, I never told anybody that. But I even considered leaving IF and Co. Like no joke. I was highly considering it and going to work with Jason of Beverly Hills. And Jason's my ally, but he's also, you know, my probably my only competitor in California, if not in, you know, the West Coast. And, uh, you know, he's, he's Jason of Beverly Hills is a big jeweler in the jewelry game, whatever. And shit got so bad that I, I was going to fuck around and be like, yo, Jason, man, I'm ready to join the team. Let's, let's go. Let's get this popping. Because he had a really strong financial base. I don't know how the fuck it would have worked out. Like I said, Jason didn't even fucking know this. But, I, you know, I stuck through it. And I had a long talk with my cousin about it. And we stuck through it. You know, he knew I was, I was, that was really, that was checkout time. And look how things turned out. Right? I mean, it's fucking crazy. Even 10 years later, you know, just that recession is fucking nuts. And where I'm at in my life. And just the accolades that happened, even from, what, 2000. Like the 2012 to 2017 is crazy. Um, now, I've been really just trying to chill. And you know, obviously, staying home has been saving me a lot of money because I used to eat out a lot. Um, every time I go out, I just buy some stupid shit. But uh, I've been saving a lot of money. But my sanity is not good. Right? Like my mental health is going crazy because the three kids are going fucking nuts and they're going crazy you know they, they're they're absolutely that you know they need they're getting cabin fever and uh it's been 12 days now you know i started the quarantine early and uh, my wife's on 17 or day 18 now i think but uh because london got sick so i had to really get my shit in order you know what i'm saying to make sure he didn't have corona and uh that we didn't have the fucking uh the covid19 in the house but anyways um yesterday i said fuck it I hit up my homie Russell Westbrook, and I said, "Bro, like, listen, man, you the NBA is canceled. What's good, man? Let's let's get this track hawk, dog. Let's let's get this cracking." And uh, Russell Westbrook owns a, a dealership, you know. So big shout out to my Brody, Russ West, um, and Russell Westbrook Jeep Dodge of Van Nuys. I got a fully loaded one, like fully motherfucking loaded, premium sound. That bitch got over seven hundred horsepower. That motherfucker's a beast. 
Uh, this motherfucker was 100 bands, you know what I'm saying, for American car. And the crazy part is I haven't even driven it. They delivered the car to the house. The motherfucker came in gloves, the whole nine. I brought my own pen out. I was already ready. I signed some shit and boom. He was in and out and fucking, he might have been here five minutes legitimately. Um, I don't know when I'm going to drive it, but I know this shit is fast as a motherfucker. And uh, I can't wait to get some lowering springs, take it to Platinum, get some minor paint mods. By the way, if you see James Harden's, go to Platinum Group's page and James Harden's fucking track hawk is ridiculous. Did the custom calipers and the custom fucking interior and everything. I'm not going like that, man. Just need to black out a couple things that are that are matte gray. And then I'm going to take it to Gintani. And Gintani's going to tune it. Uh, upgrade some, you know, some new pulleys on it. Throw on some downpipes. And that motherfucker's going to be mean as a bitch. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, listen, check it out. I hope you guys liked the episode. I hope you guys have a sane and safe weekend. Try to have fun. Spend time with your loved ones or whoever your partner in quarantine is. I'll see you guys back on Monday, and I will still be your go-to news person for COVID-19, coronavirus. Listen, make it a great weekend. God bless. Lakey, Mr. At Lakey Inspired, please take us out of here, sir.